You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and with Chris, we're back on the Paracast. And it's interesting, you know, how discussions on the show fuel further interviews. So last week, for example, our guest Micah Hanks mentioned having a conversation with Robert Schaefer, one of the most famous UFO skeptics on the planet. And that discussion got me thinking, hey, let's have Robert Schaefer on the show. I've known the guy for like 40 years or something. Let's get him on the show and see what he has to say and see if he has great answers to your questions and ours. And he said yes. So a little bit later, we'll be hearing from Robert Schaefer. And we'll also have questions from Micah Hanks who's posted them in our forums at forum.theparacast.com. Now, on last week's show, Chris decided to give away the store. Didn't you, Chris? Not really, but uh, I guess that's what I'm doing. What he means is that he's giving away a free copy of the ebook version of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley. It's a great book, over 440 pages. Still a lot of stuff in there. And if you sign up to the Paracast newsletter... You get a copy of the ebook. Have fun. Uh, it's a good book. I like it. It um, kind of shows the reader what it's like to run around a very remote area and be the only go-to person, really, for people to report uh, unusual events uh, to and create a database for somehow fielding these reports, investigating them, and then hopefully at some point analyzing this data. Obviously, we have the garbage in, garbage out scenario, but I think over the years I was able to come to, I think, a pretty good place of being able to discount particular sighting events uh, with mundane explanations. But I think the San Luis Valley has a higher percentage of real reports or reports that can't be explained away than your average uh, location out there. And and I think the book does a good job of, of showing, highlighting, and um, focusing on some cases that are particularly uh, of the head-scratching variety. Definitely a lot of head-scratching mysteries there in the Mysterious Valley. So once again, let me give you the deal. You go to theparacast.com. Right there above the fold is a little form where you enter your email address to subscribe to the Paracast newsletter. When we get your subscription, we'll send you out a copy of the ebook version of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley in the next couple of days. Just send out a bunch this morning and so far the system isn't automated so i literally had to manually drag each address this is really you know 19th century stuff here drag each mail address into the email form and we also have to thank apple for being able to do this properly because apple's got a new operating system called yosemite and i'm using a developer version and this book is pretty big it's like nearly 22 megabytes in size But because of the miracle of Apple's new mail drop feature, I can send it out to anyone. And if you can't actually accept the attachment, you see a little link in the email and you click on the link and you get your file. That was Apple. So those of you who are using PCs, that's one advantage in the new operating system, being able to send these humongous attachments. I remember when Chris was writing the book, Stalking the Herd. And you were sending me stuff like 100 megabytes big, something like that? Right. <laughs> really yep. big stuff. Yep. 
And because of the way we had the email system, we were able to receive it. So there you go. Thepowercast.com. Sign up for the weekly newsletter. It has a weekly commentary and information about the next episode of the show and a few other announcements. You get a free copy. This is what we call the limited time offer. It's going to continue for a while. We're not sure how long. But right now, we'll continue the offer. Secrets of the Mysterious Valley. And this is coming right out of Chris's pocket. It really indicates his generosity to take this show to the next level. So let's appreciate that. Meantime, so many fascinating discussions are going on in our forum at forum.thepowercast.com. And there is one online publication that's trying to pretend it's their idea. And that is this sort of debate that's going on between Stanton Friedman and James Carrion over the book, The Rosetta Deception. And as you recall, Stan said, the book is baloney. At least the concept is baloney. Before reading the book, after he read the book, he agreed it was baloney. Regardless, there's been a back and forth discussion with our members, with James Carrion, and occasionally comments from Stanton Friedman in our forums at forum.thepowercast.com. And as I said, there was some online information about a debate between these two, quoted a couple of old articles from both, didn't mention where it started, which was right here. So there you go. Started right here, this discussion about these two gentlemen and what they felt about it. What's your take on this, Chris? You think there's a huge amount of disinformation in those early cases, maybe even Roswell? Well, I think that those crucial years, 46 through 50, uh, we see a tremendous amount of deception. Um, we see the the beginnings of the ridicule factor being instituted into uh, mainstream media. Of course, the Robertson panel ended this time period, and and it's been you know, it's been downhill ever since. I, I I really do have a sense that the government is all about control and maintaining and attaining and maintaining control. And when something like uh, the UAP or UFO phenomenon comes along that they don't have control over, they're going to bend over backwards to make it appear as if there's nothing going on, that it should be ridiculed, or they kind of hint around and wink, wink, uh, that this technology actually might be ours. And I think we see the underpinnings of this beginning with the ghost ghost rocket uh, scenario uh, during those few hectic months in 46, and then, of course, Roswell uh, the following year. So whatever might have happened, they certainly took good advantage of it. Exactly. And uh, I think James did a good job digging up some pretty intriguing, very interesting documents, putting uh, certain individuals, certain uh, Navy ships, uh, looking at their involvement in other, uh, other deception ploys. And then, you know, I think he laid out a good case that there is a lot of very interesting circumstantial evidence that would support the uh, his contention that that this was all some sort of psyops program. Of course, he's going to write a book about Roswell, and it's coming. And I have little doubt that his conclusion about Roswell will be once again either test aircraft or psyop. Yeah. Now, that is also the curious situation here, where. The early belief system about UFOs was that they were spaceships. And I guess what is partly disturbing here is the fact that it may very well be this impression was created 
by the very same authorities who supposedly were trying to debunk that theory. Yeah. That's called baking the cake and eating it, too. Yeah, taking advantage of both sides. Of course, they did that with Roswell. They first said, oh, it's a flying disc. Oh, no, it's a balloon. And I thought of that old commercial for something or other where they said, stop, you're both right. Or in this <laughs> case, maybe they're both wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I would like to get a debate, a real debate going between Carry On and Friedman. But Carry On wants to restrict it just to the ghost rockets. And I think that's too restrictive because you have to take those things to the logical conclusions where they lead. Yeah, I agree. It would have to be opened up more than that. Oh, yes. You can't really do it that way. Otherwise, it would be a very short discussion. It would be, yes, it was baloney. No, it wasn't baloney. Here's why. And there you go. But we'll see what happens. Meantime, the discussion is continuing over at forum.theparacast.com. So check it out. James Carrion, a lot of our members, and occasional participation by Stanton Friedman. But we've got the UFO skeptic himself, Robert Schaefer, coming up next with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. 
It's the heart of summer across America. Thoughts turn to childhood and long days of fun. Everybody would love to feel like a kid again. And HB Extract can be a vital tool in your battle to stay vibrant and young as it supports healthy blood pressure and circulation while balancing cholesterol. GCN and longtime sponsor HB Extract want to help keep your heart healthy with the 30 bottles, 30 days summer giveaway. Enter to win by visiting GCNlive.com between now and August 29th and click on the contest banner in the top left corner of the page. HB Extract has helped tens of thousands of people worldwide feel good again. And they've done it with HB Extract's exclusive formula of wild crafted and organic herbs. Here's to you enjoying many more long, warm, and fun-filled summers free of pain and sickness. Visit GCNlive.com and enter to win in the 30 bottle, 30 days summer giveaway with HB Extract. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Sign up now at GCNlive.com. This is big! By popular demand, the Freeze-Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale has been extended. Now through August, save 30 to 45% on number 10 cans of high-quality Mountain House freeze-dried foods from the Freeze-Dry Guy. Now's the time to stock up on all factory-fresh stock of the finest, best-tasting, longest-proven shelf-life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45%. But hurry, supplies are limited, so this sale is only through the end of August. Call 866-404-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry! The giant factory authorized Mountain House sale with savings of 30 to 45% is extended through August. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So this week we have one of the most famous UFO skeptics on the planet, Robert Schaefer, joining us, someone I've known for many, many years. And we haven't had deep discussions, but we've been in touch. Robert, welcome to the Paracast. Thank you, Gene. It's good to be here. Now, according to your bio, the original skeptics movement came out between you and James Oberg and Philip Klass, right? Well, as far as the uh, UFO skeptics movement, it was part of a larger movement of uh, Psychop at the time with the amazing Randy and Paul Kurtz and Carl Sagan and so on. So, uh, but yeah, as far as the UFO skeptics, the ones who actually got into studying cases and trying to understand and trying to explain them, it was really was Phil Class who sort of, um, shall we say, he was like the nucleus, and he got a bunch of followers, myself included, Jim Oberg, Gary Posner, um, and so on, the late Michael Dennett. And this was, I, I first contacted Phil Class, I think it was 1968 or something like that. I was a student at Northwestern at the time. Of course, at Northwestern in the astronomy department was J. Allen Hynek, who was the chairman of the department. And uh, I took astronomy courses under him, got to know him to a fair extent. And I had these discussions with Hynek. Basically, it was that he felt that, you know, if credible persons reported incredible things, then these incredible things 
must be really happening, and we have to bend science to try to explain them. And I was arguing, oh, look at all these other things. Look at these historical accounts of witchcraft and people being burned because supposedly a woman had changed herself into a rabbit or something like that. And we have credible witnesses saying that they saw her change herself into a rabbit. And it's not just that. You got the whole thing with all the angels and miracles and whatever else going back hundreds of years. And this is just, you know, more of the same. So basically, it was, I was arguing that you can't really take something too seriously if it's just a witness with no proof trying to, to claim something that seems to be, you know, impossible or at least seems to be outside a normal understanding of science in the real world. Now, let me go into that as we continue discussing the history of the organization. That is here, we can take eyewitness testimony and sometimes convict somebody of murder. Oh, John Smith did it. I saw him. Three or four people identify him. Obviously, it's not the final bit of evidence, but it's a pretty compelling case, isn't it? Well, it would depend. Again, you would have to look at a lot of things. Uh, In the case of eyewitness testimony in a courtroom, there could be the possibility of bias or an agenda or something like that. Here, I don't think it's so much that. Occasionally, it may be. um, But you have to remember that what sets the scientific method apart from other methods or other other uh, areas of inquiry is that it is it has to be you know objective and fact based now the very first scientific society that existed was the royal society of london which was fo- founded back in 1660 and so we're talking more than 350 years ago and their motto was and still is to this day a latin motto nullius in verba which means, literally means, from nobody in words, or better yet, uh, more colloquially, it means take no one's word for it. That's what set the Royal Society and all subsequent scientific societies founded on that model, apart from other groups and other types of organizations and individuals who are trying to investigate the real world. They basically said, if all you have are words, you don't have anything. So it had to be some sort of uh, something measurable, something repeatable. And that's really what the difference is. And where people like Heinick and Jacques Vallée and so on are going wrong, in my opinion, is that they are thinking that it's just perfectly okay to base scientific theories on what witnesses think they saw. Whereas today, we have a lot of information, especially researchers in psychology, people like Elizabeth Loftus and many others doing research on uh, human memory and its accuracy, and they're finding that not only can it be wildly inaccurate, but often it's malleable in the sense that based on discussions or based on reading or, or information that a person acquires afterward, after the incident, that may actually change their memory of the incident, uh, according to um, you know, like if you say, if, so, if you show somebody a video and, you know, let's say there's a staged uh, car crash on a video and you ask, did you see a stop sign? A certain number of percentage, a uh, certain percentage will say yes. If you say, did you see the stop sign? A greater number of people will say yes, even if there was no stop sign in the video. So, they don't want to admit they didn't see something that was possibly there. But wouldn't that also argue in favor of the fact that, 
if you are going to depend at all on eyewitness testimony, get it as early as possible before memories are polluted? Absolutely. That's, I think, a very important point. And you have to apply that, to the, especially to these very big and complicated cases. Like, you know, people will say, for example, in the case of Betty and Barney Hill, who allegedly saw this light in the sky before they believed that they were abducted. And you'll hear people say, well, she couldn't have seen Jupiter in that early part of the sighting because she said she saw it go across the face of the moon. No, she didn't say that at the time. She said that later, several years later, that was added to the story. So these are the kinds of things, especially when you have a big, complicated case like some of these big classics like Betty and Barney Hill. You have to look not just what was said, but when was it said and how did the story change over time? Okay, but whatever they saw originally, what did they remember under hypnosis? Was that made up? Because the person who hypnotized them is not someone you would accuse of leading them on. No, he certainly did not have any agenda. That's not uh, in question, Dr. Simon. Uh, He was a very uh, competent psychiatrist. But the entire idea of hypnosis as a memory recovery tool is now very much discredited among the uh, psychologists, um, you know, the organizations like, you know, American Psychiatric Association and, and so on. Uh, are basically on record as saying that, you know, is, is hypnosis is not a credible way to recover memories. That, right. unfortunately, what turns up much of the time is uh, fantasy or, or um, fabrication, not necessarily in a, in a negative sense, it's just uh, m- m- almost like imagination. Uh, so it, it, there'll be a mixture of, of reality and... Uh, fantasy in uh, or there can be in a, in a hypnosis story so for that reason nobody uses it in that serious sense anymore except for a few <laughs> ufo abductionists who use it all the time uh, it's not admissible in court because it is recognized as not being uh, credible and in fact worse than that if a witness has had hypnosis to attempt to recall more information or whatever that witness is subsequently the testimony can be challenged and thrown out we're talking about the value of hypnosis in research maybe even in abduction research more to come with robert schaefer ufo skeptic and more with gene and chris you're in the paracast independently leading the way for the nation compelling talk For every political persuasion, we are GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at webtv.net. That's MrUFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know.
is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now, I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? In our previous segment, we were talking about the value of hypnosis. And certainly, even people in the UFO field who accept the reality of UFOs do dismiss the value of hypnotic regression. One example of that, of course, is Kevin Randall. We have Robert Schaefer joining us. So let's continue with this discussion. All right, so experiences are unearthed, but in the case of Barney and Betty Hill, what do you think happened to them? What I think happened was that they were driving along here now, and a point that people often miss is they had been driving for, I don't know how many hours, 16 hours or something like that. Um, so they were trying to make it home before, I guess there was some storm expected or hurricane or something like that. 
And also, it seems that they basically didn't have money for a hotel, and so they were going to just push on and drive and, and get home from Canada um, rather than staying one more night and then coming back in a more relaxed state. Basically, they pulled an all-nighter in trying to drive back, and Betty apparently saw an object in the sky that to her was a UFO, and it seemed to be following them. But of course, you know, as you drive along and you look at the moon, the moon appears to be following you as you drive along. It's a very common illusion. The same thing with any celestial object. And so she saw this and got excited. And because of her excited state, gradually got Barney excited. And the two of them got so excited that uh, they drove off. And um, it's not clear. They may have stopped somewhere for a little while. But in any case, when they finally got home and went to bed, that they didn't think anything was wrong. But they... Uh, Called up Betty called up her sister the next day. Her sister happens to be uh, uh, the mother of Kathleen Marden, and uh, who was herself, Betty's sister, was a, a big UFO buff, and said, well, you won't believe what happened to us, and told her the story. And gradually the story got out there and uh, came bigger and bigger. More people came. If you read The Interrupted Journey, you'll see how many people actually came to listen to, uh, uh, I mean, UFO investigators to, to talk to Betty and Barney and to uh, hear their story. And, of course, some of them suggested, well, there may have been missing time. Although, if you realize how skinny those little roads are, and the fact that Barney and talks about, you know, having to, he was watching, he was driving so slowly, he had to uh, put the car in uh, first gear so the engine wouldn't stall. So it's not exactly, um, you know, a race uh, car course there. So... You're saying there was no missing time. There probably wasn't, but again, we don't know exactly what the time scale is because, uh, you know, Betty has made inconsistent statements about, you know, what time they arrived here and what time they arrived there. In fact, even this notion that uh, they began the thing at 10 o'clock up and was at Goldbrook, uh, even that apparently came from a hypnosis thing that when uh, Barney was under hypnosis, he told Dr. Simon, he remembered seeing the clock, and the clock said five minutes after 10 o'clock. But again, any detail like that under hypnosis, you really can't rely on it. So we really don't know for sure what time they started out in New Hampshire, and we don't really know what they did along the way. They they say that they stopped several times, but we don't know for how long. So it's really it's very difficult to say. But if even if there is so-called missing time, there's nothing necessarily supernatural about it. It could be just, you know, basically sitting there and wondering about it and um, losing track of time. You know, again, I've, I've always had my doubts about the abduction phenomenon, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, a, I'm not really happy that we're starting out with this particular uh, so-called mystery. One of the things, though, that, um, that I do agree with you, Robert, uh, and that is uh, people who think that they've had an extraordinary experience are very susceptible to being led by, um, someone who isn't properly schooled in the proper way to ask questions and to gather information from a witness. Um, I've seen this time and time again with amateur investigators going out and leading the witness and uh, supplying answers, for instance. Um, it should never be a multiple choice scenario when you're interviewing somebody. Uh, you try to keep your questions as short, concise, and to the point as possible without giving the uh, witness any sort of information that they can latch on to as a way to unconsciously uh, please the, the interviewer, for instance. And I, and I see this uh, 
this lack of field uh, experience uh, time and time again when I'm when I've been out uh, with other investigators. There are some investigators who I, I do admire and, and do use proper interview techniques, which are which are pretty standard throughout uh, journalism, for instance. But when it comes to to hypnotic regression and the abduction phenomenon, the way that it's been uh, promoted and the way it's been sensationalized, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And I, I really do feel that this is a a real phenomenon on some level, but there's a psychological component that is totally being missed by, um, you know, your main big time uh, in, uh, abduction investigators and researchers. And and I, I do, I'm not, I, it's not surprising to me that we're seeing um much less emphasis on this particular mystery uh, as as the years go by, and we're hearing less and less about people claiming to have these sorts of, of encounters. Right, and I didn't mean to get bogged down into something like Betty and Barney this early either. It just came up as a as an right. example of uh, the kind of case we were talking about. Yes, yeah, so ufology. He, he, Chris kind of was, was he, touching there on the notion that. Uh, the abductology, if you will, seems to have um, kind of passed its peak and is now headed down. A lot of, you know, 20 years ago, a lot of people were convinced that they, oh boy, this is really going to solve the thing. If you look at the history of uh, UFO claims, uh, you start out in the 1940s and 50s, and it's basically it's all based on sightings of what people think they see, and they say, oh, it, you know, it's making right angle turns at high speeds and whatever, and um, and again, this is this is how it was perceived. But then, after a while, by the time you get to the late '60s, and you have that big frenzy of sightings in the late '60s, around the time of the Condon Report, which is why they had to have the Condon Report. And then, what the big sightings, um, a boom of '73. After that, you don't have anything like that. But by this time, the, the UFO abduction mania, if you will, or or interest is um, is growing, and people thought, well, these sightings didn't get us anywhere investigating sightings, but we're going to investigate these abduction cases, and then we're going to have proof of aliens and proof of UFOs. And then that, after a while, basically f- faded into the background, and then you get crashes were then the big thing, starting up in the 80s. When we talk about crashes, though, it's mostly about Roswell, which happened in 1947. Whatever happened there? The yeah. discussion of crashes is mostly that. Today's UFOs, we still get cases. A lot of cases were reported to MUFON in 2012 and 2013. I mean, most lights in the sky, some were much more detailed. And yeah. some had some pretty respectable witnesses involved. So, oh. you know, I don't necessarily go with you about the trends here. The reason Roswell came up is because in the late 70s, it was dug up by... William Moore and Stanton Friedman for the book that was done with Charles Burlitz. Now, right. as far as Charles Burlitz is concerned, I knew him. Did you? I had met him once or twice. I remember one of these um, Fortean conventions, I think. Oh, no, it was a National UFO Conference in uh, 1980 in New York City, and he was there to talk about something. And I remember him uh, sitting in the bar and enjoying himself, as I was doing indeed, and John Keel was there. Uh, but I didn't really get to, to meet the guy or say much to him, so I can't say as I really knew him. Um, but the reason I'm, I'm just talking uh, about the, you know, the abductions and the crashes and things, it's kind of like people are looking for some way to prove that UFOs are real. 
And when something like this comes along, and it appears to be very promising for a while, then it gradually people get disillusioned when they realize that it doesn't seem to be leading anywhere. And then they go off and, and try to find some other way to try to, uh, to prove these things. And, uh, and, of course, crashes is far more than uh, just Roswell. Uh, people make a big thing about Texburg uh, and so many others. And I think C. Seti has a list of, I don't know, 200 and something UFO crashes, of which uh, but two are on Mars and one is on the moon or something like that. So, uh, Well, you know, with C. Seti, I think they are on the moon. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Let's get on with more discussion with Robert Schaefer. Joining Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I didn't believe it. Neither did I. No way could you professionally remove unwanted hair, pain-free, and at home. My thoughts exactly. Remove my face and body hair without expensive, painful office visits. Not possible. Great minds think alike. Until I tried No-No Pro. Mm-hmm. Wait, you tried No-No? Yes, and it works. I use it on my face, legs, bikini line. We're BFFs, and you didn't tell me about No-No? Here, this is my new No-No Pro. The most powerful No-No made. Custom treatment levels, less hair in less time, perfect for any skin type. Try it. No hair, no pain, no time consuming expensive office visits no no and no no for a limited time you can try no no pro risk-free you'll also get the facial kit and a travel case get weeks of long-lasting results that's it i'm getting a no no great minds do think alike (laughs) (laughs) try no no pro risk-free by calling 800-952-5760 800-952-5760 that's 800-952-5760 800-952-5760 Summertime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know summer is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for summer specials, including all sizes of colloidal silver, colloidal minerals, and intestinal freedom on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, hoodia, and metabolic complex and pro-metabolic, all on sale now. Also, the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and wormwood plus complex, plus stevia liquid sweetener and the super enzymes, all on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and look for summer specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988. 
Herbal Healer Academy. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV this is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Now, let me just ask you here, Robert, because we've mentioned it in previous episodes on the Paracast, and that is, in the case of Roswell, yeah. Some of the theories have it as, maybe it wasn't a balloon, maybe it was just a test aircraft that crashed. Wouldn't that make sense? I don't think it would, because the consistency of the people who actually saw and handled the so-called debris was uh, largely describing it as in terms of foil, as like a mylar-type substance, uh, the kind of thing that you find in a balloon, not in the kind of thing that you... Uh, would find in a test aircraft. And also, if, if there were a test aircraft that crashed after, what, almost 70 years, there'd be no reason to not, to not disclose it. So, you know, I think we would have heard about that. They, they, people were fairly seriously looking into this for a long time. The best source, I think, of information on Roswell is uh, the book by Carl Flock that was published, I think, in around the year 2000, with, uh, what is it called, uh, Roswell, um, Inconvenient Facts and the Will to Believe, something like that, by Carl Flock. He goes into all these witnesses, and of course the big-time witnesses, Kaufman and uh, Glenn Dennis and so on, he goes into basically why their stories are not credible, or you want to put it another way, proof that they were not telling the truth, that they were making up stuff. And other people, basically it was second-hand or third-hand, said, well, I'd heard this, I'd heard that, but that doesn't really go very far proving anything. So I think that the Project Mogul explanation is the best, uh, the best overall fit for what happened there. Let it me just tell you what the book is, by the way. Carl Flock and Jerry Prunell, a very well-known science fiction writer, wrote Roswell Inconvenient Facts and the Will to Believe in 2001. Okay, yeah. now let me just tell you something here. I understand about the possibility of the so-called memory metal being just aluminum foil or something from a balloon. I've, we've interviewed people here on the show, Dr. Jesse Marcel Jr., for example. I did talk to somebody the other day, and of course it became a second-hand discussion. A resident of Roswell says that back in the late 50s, he talked to one of the firemen in Roswell who claimed that he saw bodies in connection with the crashed Roswell, whatever it was. All these stories about seeing bodies, you think they're all made up? 
I think so. The ones about bodies. I don't think anybody saw a body. And Marcel didn't claim to, um, neither Marcel claimed to see a body. Uh, Mac Brazel didn't claim to see any bodies. They just saw some debris or some mylar tinfoil type stuff with sticks, tinfoil and sticks. I don't know how you build an interstellar craft. Uh, it almost sounds like you're building a kite, not a, not a spacecraft. Yes, I think that, uh, again, and maybe it's possible somebody did persuade himself or hallucinate or have a vivid dream or something, and this turned into um, something about bodies. But I think for the most part, the people who say, oh, I saw the bodies are, you know, it's kind of like a Me Too thing. You know, something really important happened here, so, you know, I'm going to be part of it. What bothers me mostly about Roswell is that all these memories come forth 30 years after the fact. Yeah. And I think about, forget about UFOs, I think about all the movies and all the cultural icons that might have influenced it. But what about the so-called deathbed revelations, the confessions? People who are about to die and say, yes, I saw bodies. Yes, this happened. Yes, that well, they, happened. Why would they do that? The only one of those that I'm aware of uh, involved uh, Walter Hout. Okay. Uh, the uh, affidavit was typed up. Who was it that typed it up and gave it to him? I forget if that was, was that Donald Schmidt or who was that that uh, presented it to him? Yeah, I'm uh, not sure, but that sounds sounds like a good fit. Yeah, that, uh, I think but, Schmidt is somehow involved here, yes. Yeah, but in any case, whoever it was, uh, the criticism is that this was a man who was already well into his 80s, I believe, and he was in, in poor health and, and apparently showing at least some signs of dementia and this thing. Basically, he didn't type it or he didn't write it. It was typed up by somebody else based on what they claim he said or thought he said, gave it to him and said, sign this. And he did. You'd think he signed it without being fully aware of what he was signing? It could be. It's hard to know for sure. Of course, I wasn't there and I don't know what his mental state was, but I, I know that the critics of that have made this charge. It, uh, it does seem to me odd that, you know, especially if Walter Hout spent all this time promoting the Roswell story and, and working with the Roswell Museum and so on and so on, and being basically, you know, one of the go-to guys for anyone who wants to uh, write a book or write an article about Roswell. And all of a sudden, after 50 years or whatever more, he says, oh, yeah, I saw bodies. It's, it should have come out much sooner if it was going to be credible, I would think. Let's move to a more recent landing situation. Rendlesham Forest in the UK. <laughs> yes. Okay, I obviously sense from your laughter that you have a lot to say about that. So we've had several discussions here on the PowerCast. We've had John Burroughs, one of the people who was there. We had right. Nick Pope. We had Peter Robbins. So what happened in December 1980, according to Robert Schaefer? Well, of course, Nick Pope wasn't there any more than I was, so... But John uh, Burroughs was. Yes, yes. Well, Peniston as well. Sure. Right, Peniston, the guy who has this magic notebook that has binary data that he received telepathically from the UFO and has messages in it. However, he didn't tell anyone about this for 25 years or some such thing. So, so you feel he just made that up? That part of it? Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of this on the web. If you look at Ian Ridpath's uh, site, he summarizes it. It's not just any one thing. It's one of these cases where people apparently saw a uh, either a satellite reentry or more likely a meteor go by 
the sentries uh, late at night on what was that, December 30th or something. And uh, so they went out there and they looked around um, and they saw a flashing light. And I think they saw some holes that might or might not have been dug by rabbits. And um, then basically they went back in. Then two night, a couple of nights later, there was a similar thing. They saw lights in the sky or whatever. They went out again. Now, according to the one, the video that was on, was it CNN or something? Um, couple, within, I think, like 84 or something, 85. It's on YouTube somewhere where they, uh, they said they, were, they went out. They saw some lights in the sky. They were frightened and they went back in. So it doesn't sound very exciting at that point in time, but then now, of course, it's grown and uh, and the thing now landed and uh, Peniston says he touched it and so on. Also, Burroughs has suffered some unusual symptoms, almost like radiation poisoning in the wake of that, which brings to mind the Cash Landrum case. Yeah, we have the same situation. In both, case, in both cases, the, the reported symptoms doesn't match radiation poisoning. People don't have these, you know, if somebody is exposed to uh, intense radiation, um, it's, you know, that's going to cause them problems. Uh, you know, the symptoms are going to happen much sooner than 30 years or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. No, wait a minute here. Those symptoms occurred almost right away in the case of Cash Landrum. Yeah. And um, in the um, case um, of John Burroughs, Burroughs, he had symptoms pretty shortly after this. Yeah. They well, developed. It wasn't 30 years later. Not at all. Well, he would be able to ascertain that and, and prove that if he was given access to his medical records, which have been withheld from him uh, for years. And also, they tried to expunge his very involvement in the military uh, in the time period uh, after, during and after the Rendlesham Forest claim. Well, uh, why, why would the military do that, do you think, Robert? If they allegedly did this, uh, he claims they did. Now, I talked to, you, you know, James McGahey. Uh, he knows quite a bit about the military and the medical and all that stuff. And he was there at uh, Rendlesham, although not at the time. He was there only just like a year or so later. Now, he says any time that anybody is discharged from the military, that they are given copies of their medical record at that time. And um, basically, you'd have to talk to him to get the details on this. But uh, what uh, what Burroughs is claiming doesn't really, you know, it, again, it's, it, it's a claim. It, it isn't proven. How expunged him from the military? I'm not aware how you. Uh, I mean, it's true that you know there can be problems with uh, medical record or with military records. In fact, there was a big fire, although that didn't affect. Um, that might that was before Randallson, but some. But you know, just bringing that up to show that you know records can get lost or misplaced. But I'm you know again, it's easy to make up a story and say. You know, I'm not denying he has symptoms, but, you know, a lot of people have symptoms of a lot of things that are not necessarily caused by uh, UFO contact. Okay, well, this is a lot of meanings here, and I want to get into it more, because you're basically saying that John Burroughs made up the whole thing, or a lot of it. He may have suffered the symptoms, but the circumstances and the issues involved in dealing with the VA. Let's just talk about our next segment, Robert Schaefer. We've got Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. For the independent-minded, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Hi, this is Larry Smith. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. 
like when the jeweler ruined my ring and wouldn't do anything about it. But when my Legal Shield attorney called him and told him what my rights were, I received a check for over $2,100. Worry less and live more with lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. Again, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. We the people grow cotton, we fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Robert Schaefer joins us. He's a UFO skeptic, been around since the early days. We're talking about the Rendlesham Forest case, specifically the case of John Burroughs, who talked about Problems dealing with the VA, which are not unusual. We've all heard the news of what's gone on there. Supposedly, information about his military records being expunged, etc., etc. So let's separate the two things here. We have symptoms. We're not going to assume they're not real. The discussion could be about the cause. But you're saying, Robert, that when he says that there was hanky-panky with regard to his medical and overall military records, he's just making that up? I didn't say that. It's hard to know exactly what happened. We now know, based on recent news stories, that the VA has been um, really, it's a scandal in that they're not just failing to provide the medical care to veterans who deserve it and who need it, but also that that the the VA has been hiding, uh, has been fabricating numbers and hiding the fact that people are waiting years to get medical treatment and so on. So if this is the kind of thing that he's talking about, well, he's not the only one that's had this problem. This is endemic to the VA, at least in recent years and in the current administration. So he, he wouldn't be the only one to have problems of that kind. But to go and conclude from this that somehow there's some uh, military uh, conspiracy against him to, you know, not provide his care and to, and to remove him from, uh, you know, his military records, uh, I don't see anything that, you know, that would convince me of that. It all depends, again, on whether you believe him. 
doesn't it? I guess it does. All right, so that brings us to something you said to Micah Hanks when he talked to you at a recent UFO event. And we have some questions from Micah we'll ask later. But specifically here, with regard to UFO witnesses, you referred to at least some of them as liars. They're making it all up. Would you expand on that? Well, is that what Micah said? Because I don't recall. You don't recall calling UFO witnesses liars? No, I don't recall that. I don't think I did. Some of them may be. I think for the most part, and I've always said this, that the great majority of UFO witnesses are people who are perfectly sincere, but are mistaken because of what we've already said about uh, human perception and and, uh, its malleability, the propensity of um, a person to uh, incorporate uh, external information um, and beliefs into a memory because memory is malleable, that they convince themselves they see a large saucer-shaped object or whatever, um, but it doesn't mean it's true. But that doesn't make them a liar. It just means that they've allowed their imagination to kind of run away. Uh, And that's a very human thing to do. I know we've all, you know, been, uh, you know, mistaken about something that we think we've seen or done. And uh, but I certainly I don't use that term to say, well, they're all liars. Okay. well, this is what he said on the show. Last week, don't know if you heard the episode, I mentioned it to you. He specifically said that you called at least some UFO witnesses liars. In fact, that's his first question here at the Paracast forums. So you're saying you didn't say that. What did you tell him? Did he just get it wrong? I'm saying at least some. I'm saying the same thing now. At least some of them are liars. They're hoaxers. They're claiming to make make things up. But they're claiming, you know, things that didn't happen. But I said, that is not... Typical. That is not average. I've said then, and, and I'm saying now, the great majority of people who believe they've seen a UFO are perfectly, completely sincere, but and they have seen something that to them is puzzling, but it is not literally what they saw because they're mistaken. For example, the the Yukon case of 1996, with all these 30 people or something across the Northwest Canada, seeing this object they reported as a close encounter of the first kind, a mothership, and it was doing this and doing that, and had windows and so on. We now know that it matches those sightings, match completely with the uh, decay of a rocket booster that had been launched uh, by the Russians uh, earlier in the day that had put a satellite into orbit. So they saw something, but their imagination filtered in details that were not there because they have this idea in their head called a UFO or flying saucer. They know what UFOs are supposed to be like. They're supposed to be disks, and they have windows, and they hover, and they maneuver, and so on. And so you conflate the perception that you had of this satellite debris flaming very brightly and moving very quickly across the sky, and then you conflate with that the idea of what a UFO is supposed to be, and that's what you've got. Then you've got this report that is inaccurate, but nobody is lying. Well, you know, I have to agree with you, uh, Robert, on on many cases of untrained observers witnessing various types of uh, of unusual anomalies, whatever, and and then confabulating their own personal interpretation of what they saw, possibly glomming on to others' descriptions. But what about trained observers? Uh, I have a question here from Blowfish uh, at par- forum.theparacast.com, and he, he asks, what, what are your thoughts on military eyewitnesses, civilian pilots, police officers, trained observers who report unknown flying objects, uh, some at very close, in close proximity? I do seem to recall a case where 
One of these things, the uh, officer claimed, hit his car, tore off his, his, uh, his aerial, cracked his windshield. Right. I'm trying to remember what his name was. And, and Phil Class suggested that sounds to me like a, uh, a car that has uh, a police car that's been vandalized. And uh, it may be that he either somebody vandalized it and he jumped to the conclusion that it was a, a UFO damage or perhaps he used that as an excuse or leaving his uh, uh, vehicle someplace maybe where it shouldn't have been. But anyway, uh, but so in other words, he was lying. then. in that case, it's possible. I'm, I'm not familiar enough with the uh, details. I know Phil Class made that argument. But right. well, what about trained observers, uh, military pilots, uh, astronauts? Let's talk about trained observers, that phrase. What is that supposed to mean? Is there such a thing as an observer training class? Of course not. There isn't. Never has been. There's been no such. Now you have to enroll in observing 101, and then you can become a trained observer. You know what? Let's use the term experienced observer, okay, so we don't argue over that. Experienced in what? Um, Having seen a lot of things, being a pilot, being a member of the military, being a police officer, people who need to accurately report what they see, what they observe. There's no such thing as a superman or a super observer. They're all human, just like us. But um, if you recall, and of course, Leslie Kane is somebody who thinks that, you know, pilots and generals are uh, super observers. Uh, and she quotes Heineck all over the place. She doesn't quote Heineck's statement saying that, surprisingly, uh, military and commercial pilots make relatively poor observers. That's Why would that be? Report. Why? Well, I think the reason is that the pilot has one thing and really one thing only on his mind when something out of the ordinary occurs, and that is, is it a danger? What do I have to do to, to preserve my aircraft, to preserve my safety and, and that of my passengers? And his, the pilot is not worried so much about the details of this or that or what it might be, but rather, you know, is it going to collide with me? Is there going to be a you know, um, you know, like a prop wash or or any kind of a wind from it. Uh, so, I, and I think really that's that's what it is. There's no such thing as a trained observer, or you can say an obser- an experienced observer. But an experienced observer, again, nobody has experience in you know looking at UFOs and and you know get a certificate for the number that you've seen or something. No, it's it's these people are are just like anyone else. It's an, a, even the, you know, you say police officers, well, Alan Hynek went out with, uh, when they had these um, explosions of uh, sightings, so to speak, a huge flare-up of sightings in the Midwest in 1966-67, Hynek went out there and he rode with the, uh, with the police in their car, in their squad cars, as they're going around and, uh, and look, look, there it is, there it is again. And he says, well, they're pointing at the star Arcturus. You know, there's nothing that sets a, a pilot or, or a policeman uh, away from anyone else in terms of uh, being a credible observer. Well, of course, they also could be used to seeing stars, planets, conventional aircrafts. And when they report something unusual, the question is, what is it? What are they seeing? And we can talk about that in our next segment. We'll also have more questions. We'll also have more questions from our listeners. And by the way, if you subscribe to the Paracast newsletter, go to theparacast.com, theparacast.com, sign up, get a free copy of Chris O'Brien's Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, the ebook version. More to come with Robert Schaefer, with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercials, 
commercial. Just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. When Chris does that voice, I always want to say the parrot cast, but I'm not going to do that. Robert Schaefer is joining us. We're talking about witnesses, what they see, what they think they're seeing. So it's your theory here, Robert Schaefer, that regardless of whether they're experienced, trained, whatever, anyone who sees a UFO, that something that is not conventional, does not appear to be conventional, that seems to have maneuverability beyond what we normally would accept in our aircraft, they're basically mistaken somehow. I would say that's highly likely. Now, of course, you could always argue that the next case that comes along will be the real one. But again, if something is supported only by an eyewitness testimony, remember the Royal Society of London, the world's oldest scientific body, take no one's word for it is their motto. And in this case, I would say, well, perhaps he did see something, but were there photographs? Were there videos? Was anything seen on radar? And if so, is it consistent? You know, what will happen sometimes is somebody, a radar observer will say, well, I see something on the radar. Go out and see if there's anything up in the sky. And somebody in the radar looks over in the west, and the guy looks over in the east and says, yeah, I see, uh, I see an object. Well, that's confirmation. No, it's not. They're not in the same place at the same time, and so on and so on. Um, and that never really happens that you have this consistency because uh, they just don't, you know, uh, all at the same time. You're saying here that there have never been simultaneous visual and radar sightings involving UFOs. What about Washington I, National Airport in 1952? I didn't say there never were simultaneous sightings. I said that there wasn't any real consistency in terms of where the objects were, how they were moving, and so on. By today's standards, those were very unsophisticated radars in 1952. And in fact, Phil Class wrote an article oh, sometime around, I think, 1990, which he pointed out this fact that as the radars have improved over the years, as the electronics has gotten better, there are fewer and fewer radar UFO cases. And most of these cases that we have, we're looking at the old radars. So he's arguing that, you know, as the as radar gets better and it's better out, able to distinguish false targets from real ones, then we don't see these radar UFOs as we as much as we used to. Well, Robert, have you looked into the Socorro case uh, from April, I think, 64? Uh, where do you come down on, on Lonnie Zamora and Jordan, uh, the state patrolman that, that arrived and saw the object disappearing in the distance, uh, the photographs that were taken of the site that uh, were not returned and appeared to have been fogged with some, for, some form of radiation? And that's according to Hynek. Have you looked into the Socorro case at all? Where, where do you come down on that? Not to a great detail. Not I, It's not one of my uh, primary cases or the ones that I have uh, 
spend much time on. I know Class spent a lot of time on it. And, uh, and of course, now recently we have Anthony Bergaglia, who's claiming that it was a student hoax and that this is somehow proved. Uh, I could believe perhaps a student hoax, but I haven't seen any proof that that is, in fact, the case or could be. And frankly, I don't know how they would have done it. I, I mean, students are very clever. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Especially engineering students, but I don't know how you would fake a thing like that in the daylight, especially. Yeah. Uh, but the most reasonable explanation that I have heard is a uh, suggestion that this was uh, an early uh, propane balloon, which today, of course, is a familiar sight. But back then, um, it was not. People knew about hot air balloons, but the notion of a self-contained uh, propane-powered hot air balloon was um, itself was uh, not um, you know, was not common in those days. And, uh, so it, it's possible, I think that, you know, somebody was trying out a thing like this. He saw it because, you know, he said there was a whoosh and, uh, it went up and so on. And, and, and then flew to the Southwest into a fairly stiff breeze. Well, again, that's what some people say. I'm not completely sure that's the case, but be that as it may. Now, some people said, now class was convinced that, that the whole thing was a hoax and that, Zamora was in on it. He was, you know, he was part of it, and uh, that because they wanted to get tourists in there. Now, I'm not sure. I really believe that. Um, yeah, that's a that's a real stretch. Uh, if if it was a hoax, I think that Zamora was was the hoaxy, not the hoaxer. In other words, it was a hoax on him. And one of the points that uh, Bragalia makes is that you know because this is a small town, a college town, and so on. And that uh, Zamora was sort of, uh, he was not popular among the college students because he, he was considered a buzzkill. He was a guy who would check to see if you had alcohol and whatever and whatever. So it's plausible that they might have wanted to play some, you know, uh, some sort of trick on him or hoax on him rather than having him uh, be involved in the hoax. It's um, something that, you know, when, when you th think about these cases, it might be large hoaxes, might or might not be. Uh, you have to ask who was in on it and who was fooled by it. So using that example as a possible explanation, what about the Phoenix Lights case? Do you think that that was a hoax by the military? Oh, not at all. No, that one is uh, open and shut. Well, there's two parts of it, okay. Now, I think we can all agree. I'm not, I'm not sure about this, but I think most people would agree. But the second part of it, the part of the Phoenix Lights that occurred after 10 p.m. was the flare drop by the Maryland Air National Guard. I think we have that nailed down pretty well. Uh, Dr. Lin wouldn't agree, but uh, I think most people would. Um, I mentioned this once. Uh, had a, That's Lin Kitai, by the way, folks. Go ahead. Yes, who, does, who has a sort of a little cottage industry of uh, promoting the uh, Phoenix Lights. I did have a conversation with James Fox uh, about this a little bit, and he did not disagree when I said that the second part was the, the flare drops. I think so we really then have to ask, well, what about the first part that people said they saw this large triangle? Well, I've written this up. If you go to my blog, badufos.com, and uh, there's a search box there, and you plug in uh, Phoenix Lights, uh, you'll find what I've uh, written about it. Basically, these were aircraft. There was something called uh, Operation Snowbird, which is uh, it's an ongoing program. It's a, it's a pilot training program for the uh, Air National Guard, and now they have even uh, foreign pilots being trained these were uh, probably A-10s that had flown off to another air base, uh, probably Las Vegas, and come back. They were following the path of the so-called flying triangle, uh, 
uh, was following that superhighway, if you will, the air corridor from Vegas down to Phoenix and Tucson, there were um, several people who saw one fellow with binoculars, another fellow with a telescope, saw the, the lights and said they were aircraft. And they went right over uh, Phoenix and then came down and said they appeared to be following Highway Interstate 10. Uh, in fact, those were the very last sightings were just outside of uh, Tucson um, from people along Interstate 10. And again, we have in some of them, they reported it as being, you know, remarkable looking and having this, you know, effect on them and so on, which is interesting. It's a psychological statement. It's not a, a statement of, um, you know, any kind of uh, factual items. But these things behave very much like airplanes that were going to land. Why would these UFOs um, follow the highway in and then uh, apparently <laughs> then just disappear as if they were going to land at Davis Mountain Air Force Base, which is what these A-10s did, uh, five of them. And we know that this was not a single um, object because there was a fellow, can't recall the name right now, who had a, a video of the lights uh, of the triangle. Let's break it here. At set. that point, we'll continue. With that video, more detail. Robert Schaefer joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Summertime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know summer is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for summer specials, including all sizes of colloidal silver, colloidal minerals, and intestinal freedom on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, hoodia, and metabolic complex and pro-metabolic, all on sale now. Also, the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and wormwood plus complex, plus stevia liquid sweetener and the super enzymes, all on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and look for summer specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Robert Schaefer joining us. We started with our discussion of the Phoenix Lights, Lights A, Lights B, the two different events. So we were talking about a video showing triangles here, Robert. Tell us more. Uh, there was a guy named Terry Proctor who um, took a video seems to have the only video of the so-called triangle, the first part of the Phoenix Lights, Phoenix Lights A. Somebody did a, oh, I think this was from the Discovery Channel program, UFOs Over Phoenix. They basically drew the lines between these objects at the different times. And it's clear that over that period of 43 seconds, they changed their position with respect to each other. In other words, these were not solid objects fixed on a wing or something like that. They were five separate objects that were flying together in formation, five separate aircraft. So as I said, if you just just plug the word Phoenix into my search box on bad UFOs and you'll find what I'm talking about. There's a, there's a picture of some ATANs flying in formation and uh, there's a frame from the Proctor video and some more um, discussion of it of Operation Snowbird and so on. In fact, Randy Fitzgerald, who uh, I met ages ago, I used to know him back when I was in the East Coast. He wrote a story about this in the, uh, I believe, the Reader's Digest. Uh, and this one, this particular, or this different article he wrote, an Examiner article, it said, once beyond the southern suburbs of Phoenix, the formation of lights followed Interstate 10 towards Tucson. Now, why would it, extraterrestrial vehicles or strange UFOs, whatever they were, follow the Interstate 10 toward Tucson? Well, there are airplanes going to land at Davis Mountain Air Force Base in Tucson. 
and Interstate 10 will basically guide you right into it. My question is, uh, these types of flights occur routinely. Why all of a sudden one night everybody claims that they see, and, and we're talking quite in, hundreds of, of witnesses claiming they see something extraordinary. Why all of a sudden one night would routine flight activity be misconstrued as something high strange? It doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's probably not that often that five aircraft go off in a formation and fly to uh, Vegas or some other uh, place like that. Well, let me read just what I have there. It says, March 13th, 1997 was the last night of Operation Snowbird for the year. So obviously any aircraft that had flown off to other destinations, such as Las Vegas, had to return to Tucson. James McGahey reconstructs the story of the V-shaped formation as follows. Five A-10 jets from Operation Snowbird had flown from Tucson to Nellis Air Force Base near Las Vegas several days earlier and were now returning. The A-10 jets were flying VFR, that is visual flight rules, so there was no need for them to check in with aircraft along the route. They were following the main air corridor for air traffic traveling that route, the highway in the sky. Why a, hot, why a UFO would follow U.S. air traffic corridors is a mystery. Because they were flying in formation mode, they did not have on their familiar blinking collision lights, but instead their formation lights. In any case, FAA rules concerning aircraft lights and flight altitudes, etc., do not apply to military aircraft. The A-10s flew over the Phoenix area, flew onto Tucson, and landed at Davis Mountain. And I think that pretty well explains it. And, and there was an important point there that the, the formation light, civilian aircraft don't have formation lights. A formation light is something like a landing light. And so some people said they had their landing lights on. These are separate lights. They're very bright. And they're not intended for landing. They're intended so that the other aircraft in the, so that the aircraft in the formation can see each other. This also doesn't happen all the time. The reason, though, that the, there were so many people out there, you remember this was the time when the comet, the uh, Hale-Bopp comet, was at its brightest as seen from Earth. And so a lot of people went out to try to see it when they were looking at the comet or looking for the comet, and then this flight went over. And that also explains why so many people saw the flare drop when it occurred. It has occurred at other times but uh, not nearly as many people see it. So for whatever reason, the uh, Operation Snowbird was having a really busy night that one night when the people were out looking at the comet, and the result was this legend of the um, Phoenix Lights that has uh, proved to be very, shall we say, convenient for some people to uh, promote and to continue to uh, sort of beat that dead horse. And so uh, here we have it. It, it. Once a UFO story reaches sufficient critical mass, it will never die. Like Roswell, I think there's no real proof of anything out of the ordinary happened at Roswell. We have a very good explanation in Project Mogul and so on. But it doesn't matter what the facts are. It's become such a big thing or the notion of the men in black or something. It's it's reached a critical mass. Once it reaches a critical mass, you know, it will never disappear. There's always going to be people believing it and promoting it no matter what the facts might be. Well, these were the men in black. Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones got very rich over it. <laughs> right. So I don't know. And I find some of those stories to be incredible myself. But there you go. You know, I'm thinking here, Chris, that maybe we should go back to the remaining questions from Micah Hanks, since we dealt with the issue about what portion of UFO witnesses might be liars. You want to look up that set of questions, Chris, and go on with them? Well, Micah Hanks was the one that uh, posted the, the question about uh, military eyewitnesses, pilots, police officers who report unknown flying objects. But his other question is a little bit more, I think, simple. And that is, Robert, do you think the Earth is the only planet with intelli intelligent life forms uh, in the universe? 
I never said that. Everybody seems to think I said that. I mean, I consider that to be, shall we say, like the number one uh, UFO fallacy that's uh, going around is when I tell somebody, well, I really don't believe any of these sightings and crashes, whatever, are proof of anything alien or whatever. They say, what makes you so sure that we're the only intelligent life in the universe? And I say, I never said that. People just infer it. They just jump to that conclusion. Most people have no idea how huge the universe is. It's it's unbelievably large. I mean, we talk. Yeah, about- the Drake equation would would suggest that there are billions of billions and billions of civilizations yeah. out there. You've got billions of stars in each. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, approximately a hundred billion stars in our own Milky Way. And recent data seems to suggest that planets are extremely common. We thought before that planets might be kind of common. Now it appears to be even more than that. It appears to be more or less 100% of star systems, individual stars, have planets. Not necessarily inhabited planets or even habitable, but at least planets are there. And again, it's like you said, with the Drake equation and the laws of large numbers. You take billions of stars, most of which have planets of some kind. Then you take billions of galaxies each with billions of stars. We know that it's possible for life to evolve because, hey, it happened at least once. It's even possible. Some might debate that, my friend. Yeah, well, maybe. Well, that's right. Yeah, they say, well, somebody poof said poof and put us here. I think most of us listening to this can agree that life on Earth is very old. It goes back hundreds of millions of years, in fact, billions of years in very simple life forms and um, one-celled organisms and so on. There's absolutely nothing to prevent this. I mean, the laws of physics are the same everywhere. That's something we seem to keep discovering over and over again, and we've never found any exceptions. The laws of physics that made it possible for life to evolve here on Earth certainly make it possible for life to evolve in many other places. I'm not going to question that at all. What I am going to say, though, is... Yeah, uh, yeah but who says that they're coming here to exactly. pick flowers and look at rocks here, like they've never they seen them before? I've been saying that for years yeah. myself. It would be just as difficult for them to get here as it would be for us to get there. And well, based on our level of technology, if you're looking at, at a race that's perhaps, you know, hundreds of thousands of years technologically uh, ahead of us and has access to impossible, you know, as Arthur C. Clarke would put it, uh, magic technology that uh, would appear as magic to us, uh, who's to say that they don't have the capability of somehow going through the reaches of space and, and conquering the, uh, the great distances? Well, again, when new laws of physics are found, they don't repeal the ones that we have already. They add information to them. They add at the margins. You know, Einstein's relativity did not repeal what we knew about Newton and force. And, you know, for every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction and so on. All those Newtonian laws are still valid, uh, even under relativity, except that sort of at the margins at extremely high velocities, which, of course, we could not observe in the 17th and the 18th century. And I mean much higher velocities and orbital velocities and things, relativistic velocities. Uh, the, the, the laws, um, they need supplements to, uh, to, to show that, to, to calculate the effects because of that. But the old laws are still valid. And the same thing here. That the laws we have now that say that you cannot go faster than light, and more than that, that you... Um, as you attempt to go close to the speed of light, that the energy required, uh, even for a small thing, is uh, absurdly high. Robert Schaefer, joining Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. 
not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335 whoa this is big by popular demand, the Freeze-Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale has been extended. Now through August, save 30 to 45% on number 10 cans of high-quality Mountain House freeze-dried foods from the Freeze-Dry Guy. Now's the time to stock up on all factory-fresh stock of the finest, best-tasting, longest-proven shelf-life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45%. But hurry, supplies are limited, so this sale is only through the end of August. Call 866-404-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry! The giant factory authorized Mountain House sale with savings of 30 to 45% is extended through August. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract, paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise, can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body 
body healing itself with the aid of HB Extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit HBExtract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to HBExtract.com. This is Kurt Seventy, author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. To cut this explanation about light travel short, Robert Schaefer, you don't believe in warp drive. Well, warp drive was an idea that was uh, dreamed up on Star Trek, not um, because of uh, anything that a physicist had come up with. Uh, so as far as, you know, they say, NASA has been experimenting with a warp drive. Well, that's a... Uh, some pretty uh, vivid imagination. Um, what are they experimenting with? Uh, none of that, as far as I'm aware. Uh, and, and if you look, it wasn't really NASA. It was some guy who had a NASA contract once who thought he knew how to build a, a Star Trek-type uh, engine. Oh, the guy, oh, Al, Alcubierre, how do you say the name? Al, Alcubierre, something like that. There's a, he's a physicist, I think, from uh, South America or Mexico who would um, propose such a thing could be done where you, there's the spaceship would bend space in front of it and sort of pull itself along and then unbend the space behind it and it would go at you know incredible velocities and so on and even he says that well he isn't sure this could really be done he kind of thinks it couldn't but it's just a theory also i mean the way you bend space uh, is with mass and uh, you know the mass of the sun which is i don't know how many a million times that of the earth or something like that it only serves to bend space a small amount. In other words, when we look at a star during an eclipse of the sun, and we see that star appears to be close to the edge of the sun, and we can see this position is is moved just a very small uh, amount, uh, just something that's difficult to measure even telescopically because of the warping of space of the sun. So that's a tiny amount of warping of space. Now, suppose you wanted a huge, huge amount of warping of space. You're going to push yourself ahead at some... Uh, ridiculous velocity. Engage warp eight. You're going to get. How, where are you going to get a mass? How, are you? What do you need? A million solar masses? I mean, how do you, how are you going to do this? I I must apologize here, Robert. Uh, when I was asking questions before, I thought they were from Micah. They were from actually from Blowfish. Now, oh, Micah does have some questions on here, and one of them uh, is the suggestion that ball lightning plasmas and little understood natural phenomenon. Uh, are solutions to purported UFO reports, as Phil Class uh, early on, uh, you know, posited. Right. But is, he's wondering that don't that constitutes only using a speculative theory to answer quote unquote another speculative theory, and if so, is this logically unsound, or does it suggest that some speculation is warranted in the in UFO studies, as often Class seemed to do? No, I, I uh, think I would agree with Micah here uh, rather than with Glass and the uh, plasmas. He, as you know, Glass, when he first started out looking at UFO cases and based on a few of the descriptions, uh, he thought that this could have to do with plasma or ball lightning or something caused by electric uh, wires that get corroded or get the salt spray from the ocean and so on. and. Um, but again, this is this is speculative, and I, and I agree. It's really is it's you're using one speculative thing to uh, to answer uh, another one. I think that 
rather than going down that road, I would just try to ask myself, is there any evidence other than just a witness who thinks they saw something out of the ordinary? You know, if they if the witness can produce videos uh, or perhaps, you know, some sort of burn marks or something, and we could find some kind of consistency to this, then, you know, we could start to uh, come up with something solid about it. But no, I, I, I don't think that that's a good, a good path to go down. Yeah, I would agree as well. It's, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't make much sense to, uh, say one thing is speculative and then uh, propose something speculative to uh, possibly explain that. Um, here's a question from SRL, who's uh, a longtime poster at forum.theparacast.com. And he was wondering if you have heard of Michael Persinger, and if so, what are your opinions concerning his research relating to EMF fields and influencing human consciousness? And, and do you consider this research credible? Yes, I I was almost going to get into that, and I was going to mention earthquake lights while we were on the subject of speculative stuff, because that's one of Persinger's things, is that, well, earthquake lights may explain UFOs because of piezoelectric effects in the rocks and things like this. Uh, as far as, Persinger has something he calls the God Helmet, or not, maybe he doesn't call it that, some people call it that, where you put this thing on and it gives you a um, magnetic uh, field around your head, and that supposedly produces all these apparently paranormal effects. In fact, as I understand that, that uh, years ago, uh, Michael Shermer of uh, Skeptic Magazine um, did this thing with Persinger and reported that, you know, he did feel these effects. But uh, then later, other people tried to replicate them and, and could not. It's also pointed out that uh, when people are put into uh, MRI machines, that they are exposed to um, electric fields, magnetic fields, far, far in excess of anything that's in the God helmet, and yet people are not reporting, you know, paranormal events and experiences um, as they're in these machines. So I think that's, um, I, I think it's just not that credible uh, as far as, you know, trying to, to produce these effects directly in a person like that. Now, the, the um, kind of secondary stuff, uh, like, for example, earthquake lights, and I recently had some arguments with some skeptics about this. Earthquake lights are wonderful in the sense that they can be anything you want them to be. They can be right there on the ground. They can be up in the sky. They can be any color, any shape. What's even more remarkable is they don't seem to depend on the size of the earthquake. In other words, a, an earthquake that is very powerful, let's say a 7 or 8 magnitude, might not produce any earthquake light. And then you might have a magnitude 4 which has only one ten thousandth as much energy as a magnitude eight earthquake, and people will say, "Well, the magnitude four uh, earthquake uh, produced those lights in the sky that were reported." That by itself isn't logical. You would expect that the more energy released, the more earthquake lights, and um, then they don't have to match up in terms of space or location. I think Persinger was using like magnitude three and four earthquakes that had occurred several months earlier to prove that, um, to, to, to try to explain earthquake lights that were seen, you know, months later, they say this is just too loosey-goosey. It, 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 it isn't convincing. If somebody could come up with some halfway, rid, you know, um, rigorous, uh, you know, uh, explanation and, and theory about when and where you're going to see earthquake lights and if it could be tested, then, you know, then I, then I could believe it. But, uh, what I've seen so far, and the claims based on people like Persinger and others, John Deering, I think his name is. Right, and Paul De Devereaux. Yeah, 
And these claims have been going around for at least 20 years. And again, with something like that, it's unusual and interesting comes up. And if there's n- it doesn't go anywhere in 20 years or more, then that kind of says there really isn't anywhere for it to go. Mm-hmm. Well, how about Hezdalen? Oh, that place. Well, again, I, d- I haven't researched that primarily myself or, or to a lot of, um, I can't speak to the details of it. What I've heard is pretty much the same as a lot of these things, the Marfalites and whatever. Also, a few of them seem to be hoaxes that, you know, somebody said they saw, you know, like a red dot on the ground that appeared to be bouncing around. And uh, I think if somebody was playing games with a little, you know, laser, uh, uh, and, and it's not beyond, <laughs> a lot of people like to play little jokes and tricks. That, that wouldn't surprise me. But I, I can't say a lot about it. But I think it's it's pretty much the same as earthquake lights and uh, the Marfa lights and the Brown Mountain lights. And people see lights, and again, there's no real consistency to what they're seeing and how they're seeing it and when they're seeing it. So, uh, you know, until somebody can try to uh, nail it down better than that, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not very convinced. Yeah, it's like trying to nail Jello to the wall. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> so, in general, then, what do you think the Brown Mountain lights are? Um, the brown mountain lights, as I recall, although it's in the latest um, uh, paper by, I forget who the authors are, about the earthquake lights, the one that was just released, I think, in January of this year, or at least it was, was first written about in January of this year. They, they view the brown mountain lights as being earthquake lights because there was a magnitude 3 earthquake there at some point in time. And my understanding is that they are they're basically lights. They're either automobile or locomotive lights seen in a distance. But they've been reported allegedly since uh, the early to middle 1800s, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how far back it goes, but I think it does go back to the 19th century. And there were indeed locomotives in the 19th century. So uh, at least that's how it's uh, supposed to uh, to be. Uh, there were some lo- some fairly detailed reports that were made. Uh, there was the U.S. Geological Survey. I forget the guy's name. He did a a paper which is uh, which is still available. And uh, basically, it was uh, it was what I'm saying: the automobile and uh, uh, locomotive lights. And this was back like around you know 1919 or something. And I, Phil Class has a chapter. One of his books, I think it was uh, UFOs Explained about this, in which he goes into all this in considerable detail. You know, I remember something else that I saw in terms of lights, or at least I checked out, called the Somerville Light in South Carolina, about 20 minutes from Charleston. It was supposedly the head or the lantern carried by a ghost seen (laughs) over some old radio, old railroad tracks. But I didn't see it. We have Robert Schaefer joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. How many good people procrastinate? When was the last time you updated your last will and testament, your living will, and your health care power of attorney? If you could get these documents included with your Legal Shield membership for no additional charge, wouldn't it just make sense to have the peace of mind of owning a Legal Shield membership? Worry less and live more with lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Of course, I'm, some people think I'm so old I was actually around when the railroad employee was carrying that lantern. Yeah. Well, here's one for you, Robert. We have a question about your background. Have you ever had a government job? And if so, what, what did you do with the government? Uh, they think I must be uh, a information <laughs> agent. I hear that quite often. Well, let's just have a reality check here. Understand that our guest moderator, co-host from last week's episode, Gogs Mackay, did work with the British Navy in intelligence work, and we didn't have any suspicions of him. So with that in mind, Robert, you may continue. Yeah, no, I've never worked directly for the government. I have worked on some government contracts in computer companies. Some of them had uh, some military applications, but I've never had anything to do with anything vaguely involving UFOs or the paranormal or anything like that. Well, that's that's good to know. And even even if you did, you'd have to kill us before you tell us, right? Or right. after you told us. <laughs> Although we we should. Point then he has to get in line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although we should point out that you know James Oberg and James McGahey both are retired Air Force uh, yeah. officers who have worked in intelligence. Uh, although right. they say they had nothing to do with. Uh, um, UFOs, uh, just uh, you know, little things like space program and nuclear weapons and things like that, but not UFOs. But you know, who knows? Maybe <laughs> I don't think. So. Yeah, yeah. Again, maybe uh, they're they're disallowed to say anything about it. Well, well one thing that's always uh, been a curious thing for me, having uh, done quite a bit of investigative work in the San Luis Valley, which is in South Central Colorado, and it's on the western edge of the La Vida. Uh, low-level military flight operations area and training ground. And um, I must say that I've seen the Air Force trot out conventional craft and light them up like Christmas trees uh, for no apparent reason. 
then the assumption would be to see if people report them as UFOs. Now, what do you think about the government using the UFO subject uh, to create possible uh, psychological weapons programs or or some sort of uh, some sort of uh, manipulation of an unsuspecting public? Do you believe that this type of activity occurs? And if so, what are your thoughts about it? I, no, I don't think it occurs. Again, I can't prove that it doesn't occur. Let me just say that uh, uh, we're talking about the uh, the San Luis Valley here in Colorado. Is that I went yes, to the, at the UFO Watchtower uh, and stayed there one night. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting place out there. Um, when you look at the lights in the distance, that valley floor is extremely flat, and the, you see lights in the distance. And they, I guess, if you go in there with the mindset that they look spooky, you can convince yourself that they're spooky. Uh, but again, I think it's just the yeah, but temperature inversions and those sorts of things. Uh, all most of the longtime residents there are very aware of those things. It's yeah. only the tourists coming in there with with sparkles in their eyes uh, <laughs> that want to have an unusual experience. And believe me, I I think the watchtower is set at a good spot. But I think that the people that uh, tend to go there have already made up the, in their minds that they they're going to have a a high strange experience, which which is supported by the psychology of wannabeism as i would uh, i guess call it but the reason why i asked that prior question was uh, a simple one i was traveling late at night uh, on highway 17 which is the road that that watchtower is located off of i saw a row of brilliant blinking lights there were probably a couple of dozen of them arrayed in a straight line flying across from north to south i immediately slammed on my brakes grabbed my night vision binoculars and stopped uh, was able to ascertain, I think, uh, fairly accurately that they were within five miles from me. And uh, I was able to see and hear the sound of cargo planes uh, flying in formation. And it appeared that the lights had been sequenced along the leading edge of all three airplanes, it sequenced in such a way that they were perfectly timed to make it look like an object uh, several hundred feet across a flying... sequenced in the sense like 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, that sort of thing? Well, sequenced all the way from, from the... There were three airplanes flying wingtip to wingtip, and it would go from the uh, extreme left planes, extreme left wingtip, all the way across the leading edge of all three planes to the extreme right wing on the right plane, and then do that again like a row of, of brilliantly flashing lights that were flashing in sequence. Yeah, I think what you're describing may be a, um, a, night, a training mission for night refueling, that um, they have these sequenced lights that is supposed to help the pilot to, to line up with the, you know, to get the fuel tank into the, the boom that's coming down from the other plane. Uh, yeah, but it was on the leading edge, not the trailing edge of the... Plus, it was quite low altitude, I must say. It was very, very low altitude. And they were not in a MTR. Uh, they were outside of the operations area. They were flying down the center of the valley, which is not considered part of the military flight arrangement there. It, it just seemed very strange to me. And uh, if I had been any further away and not been able to hear the engines and not be able to see these things under night vision, I would have seen a UFO. Yeah. That, well, that's again, but the well, the important thing is you, you did recognize that they were airplanes. And Correct. So we can agree that that airplanes were they they were from this planet, and then the only question is really why were they doing this funny thing? 
And I don't know that. Um, I know that um, James McGahey has had uh, more um, experience in this sort of thing and, and knows it better because of uh, the time he was in the Air Force and he was a pilot for many years. And so he has talked, I know he's talked about these uh, military uh, refueling operations that are, you know, they have to practice these things. So I can't say that as, as a certainty, but I think we can both agree that uh, these were airplanes. Now, getting back to what you said about the night vision, let me suggest this. Uh, I know that a lot of people are using these night vision devices to try to um, see UFOs or to try to see more details and things. Um, that's Astronomers don't use them. Amateur and professional astronomers will use just an ordinary binocular instead. If you really want to see good details, um, get yourself a good quality pair of optical binoculars. Rather, I than, do. I, I have a very good yeah. uh, pair that are actually designed for, for naval uh, ob observers. Right. That's what you want to use because the, the night vision thing, what it does is it trades sensitivity uh, for resolution. In other words, it boosts right. the sensitivity. You see very faint objects, but you lose details because of the way Correct. they operate. You'll see often just a, a big white blur or blob, and often it'll appear to be changing size and whatever. It's not changing. Yeah, correct, size. correct. Yeah, it's it's a toolbox. We all have our our, our yeah. tools, and and we we need well, to know how to properly uh, utilize them. And I agree. I'm with you just on saying that. that from the standpoint of somebody who wants to identify an object or a light seen in the sky, I don't see a, a night vision. Uh, you'll find if you go to any star party, if you go to any place where you know advanced amateur astronomers and observers are gathered. Nobody is using those things. Right. Well, they use them on TV shows, of course. Yeah, because they look neat on TV shows. That's what they're for. <laughs> I wanted to ask you briefly here, because we opened a very large thread in our forums as a result of the initial reviews of this Hangar 1 TV show, which apparently is sponsored <laughs> oh, no. or otherwise affiliated with MUFON. Yes. Right. Now, that's kind of typical, though, Robert, of TV shows in general. And even people who I think who are interested in UFOs accept that there are some sightings that are unexplained, might have an ET or other unknown explanation. They don't like those shows either. But this had to be one of the worst, right? Yeah, I would think so. And it's funny, every time uh, in the last couple of years when something like this came along, when Chasing UFOs first came along what, two years ago or three years ago, whatever it was, and I wrote, and, and I know a lot of people said, this is the worst. This is the worst we've ever seen as far as, you know, just a trashy, sensationalist UFO show, over-dramatizing. Oh, no, there's something coming. Oh, there's a there's a leopard coming. Let's jump back in the car just as they see an object in the sky. Oh, no, here comes a wild animal. Let's run. But that record, as it were, for badness didn't stay very long. Then along came this thing. Earlier this year, uh, it started out at Discovery Canada. And uh, what were they calling them? Encounters or something like that. And then that was even worse than chasing UFOs. And then that appeared a couple of months later on the U.S. TV. Then <laughs> we said that that is even worse than chasing UFOs. Then along comes Hangar One. <laughs> Let's get the review of Hangar One, our next segment. So we have Robert Schaefer with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. 
ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Mike Stennerson for Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. What good is a big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Hello, it's Tom Chenault from The Tom Chenault Show. We are experts in home-based business and residual income. We show people how to make money from their home, either part-time or full-time. And in partnership with Genesis Communication Network, we've organized a team to fight back about people not having money, time, or health. And we need your help. What we want you to do is if you've got an interest in building an organization to fight back against people taking our money, taking our time, and taking our health, we want to talk to you. All you need to do is call this number, 855-308-8326. Again, all you want to do is call 855-308-8326. You can make a tremendous amount of money and end up fighting for a great cause. Please call us right now. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. 
That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, now understand here, let's just be honest about it, Robert Schaefer. Two of the co-hosts of Chasing UFOs also said it was a bad program. Yes, which is a pretty remarkable thing to have. <laughs> okay, so we've got two bad shows, and now three's three is a crowd shows. because Hangar One premieres. You wrote a review of it, Robert yeah. Schaefer. I only watched the first uh, episode. I don't have that cable channel, but it was so bad you could see everything you need to see there. Other people have, have written about the uh, um, you know, later episodes. Apparently they've, uh, well, and they're giving us stuff like uh, Dwight Eisenhower met with aliens at Edwards Air Force Base, you know, those old chestnuts that have been around for so long without any proof. They appear to even have made documents up, make them appear to be government documents about UFOs, when in fact they're quotes from books by Stanton Friedman or something that, you know, made up to look like a government uh, document. It's, uh, it's really pretty bad. And for MUFON to put its name on that basically means that the MUFON has lost all credibility as far as trying to be a scientific organization. They claim to be following a scientific method, but you never know it from this sort of thing. Now, who's going to be the next even worse uh, <laughs> UFO show? It's going to be tough to uh, beat that one. Does anyone know if that show's getting any ratings? Has it been renewed? What's the status? I don't know. I would imagine they're getting pretty good ratings, but I don't know that for sure. Well, the true believer crowd is, uh, I mean, they're jello slurping that up like uh, there's no tomorrow, I'm sure. Jello slurping. <laughs> well, that must be a very old crowd then. Well, that's way beyond Kool Aid drinking. It's now jello slurping. Yeah. It kind of tickles my innards, right? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to touch that one, Gene. Thank you. <laughs> But I think well, um, we have some more questions here, Robert, if you'd like, from uh, our posters at forum.theparacast.com. SRL has another question for you, and he's wondering if you've looked into the aerial school incident in Ruwa, Zimbabwe in 1994, and John Max worked with that and others who have uh, uh, subsequently gone back, uh, interviewed the, the kids. I know uh, James Fox has uh, gone back recently for his 701 movie project with Tracy Torme. What do you think uh, those kids saw? I really haven't looked into it that much. I did hear a talk. There was a talk somebody gave uh, at one of the um, UFO congresses about oh, two years ago or something like that. And uh, I would have to say I don't really know enough about it. That it. As I understand it, only the children saw something and none of the teachers, none of the adults saw anything. The interesting question is, you know, the, could this be some something that the children made up or that they, you know, wanted to play a trick on their teachers? Or could it be somebody was playing a trick on the children? I mean, I I just don't really know enough about it. No. We're you know, getting into veracity questions here again. Yeah, though. witness questions. And again, the bottom line is we don't have any tangible evidence from this. We just have what people are saying. And again, the, the Royal Society would say, uh, take nobody's word for it. So. Right would exclude that from scientific uh, consideration for that reason. Okay. Well, what do you think about the idea of the breakaway civilization? Uh, there's even a conference now I, I see being advertised with Joseph Farrell, uh, Richard Dolan, and others who have been sort of musing and proposing this idea that we have a breakaway civilization that has a exotic level of technology that's hidden from the, from, you know, the average, average person. And that, uh, 
we have made great stride with uh, some sort of secret space program, for instance. Uh, do you think that this is even plausible, number one? And number two, if it is plausible, how could you keep something like that secret? Well, yeah, I think you've answered the question yourself there and just in asking it. I'm not sure what they mean by breakaway. They mean like it, it's a secret space program, or are they talking about something like uh, the Shaver mystery and holes in the poles and Daryl robots under the ground? No, I think it's it's more of a level of technology uh, that's been advanced uh, far beyond uh, public awareness of, of state-of-the-art technology, and it's being used by the, I guess, the military-industrial complex elite and the one-percenters to uh, enact some sort of of program that uh, the rank and file, the 99% are not going to be told of. Uh, it, I don't think it has to do with anything uh, as, um, I don't want to use the word preposterous, but <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's it's more of a technological thing. Uh, it, it kind of boils down to the Gary McKinnon claim of 160 off-planet naval officers, that sort of thing. There's little hints here and there in the literature that there may be some sort of exalted uh, technology development program that's uh, quite a bit uh, ahead of, you know, the acknowledged te technological curve. Technology uh, follows science. It doesn't precede it. Uh, so science breakthroughs have to come first, and then technological breakthroughs can follow behind on the science in that. So the question is what scientific breakthroughs could have occurred in secret and uh, not tell anyone about it and then go ahead and, and build a whole new technology or secret space program based on these technologies or based on these findings. Um, I don't find that uh, credible at all. If you've ever spent any time in you know, like science departments in uh, any uh, universities, these people are the worst people in the world as far as keeping something secret, you know, as far as sharing and as far as whispering um, rumors and whatever, they go pretty fast. Anytime that there's a uh, rumored breakthrough in uh, some discovery in atomic physics or something like that, we always hear, you know, the rumors coming through weeks or months before the paper gets published. So certainly, there, if there were some, let's hypothetically say, some advanced type of rocket propulsion, some advanced chemicals or something that the public don't know about, you, there would be a whole paper trail of, you know, scientific discoveries of papers, of conferences and things like this. Maybe people wouldn't be admitted to the conference, but it'd be pretty hard to hide the fact that the conference was occurring and that uh, all these, you know, important scientists were there. Like I said, these are the worst people in the world at, you know, at keeping things like that secret. They would say, probably some large number of them would say that, you know, this is too important to keep secret. So I, I just don't think it, it could be done at all. Yeah, Joseph Farrell brought up in, in a number of his books the whole idea of the Nazis developing, uh, I think, what has been termed aether physics, a second branch of physics to relativity, and that that these types of early experiments may have been co-opted by the Allies at the end of the war and then secretly developed. That's one theory. Uh, it involves red mercury and some pretty interesting documentation that Farrell has dug up. He's, he's quite a researcher in his own right, you know, uh, Oxford trained. That would be one example of, of what could be termed as a breakaway technology, uh, yeah, shall we say. The Nazis didn't like relativity because it was, they called it Jewish physics, because Einstein was Jewish. And so then they wanted their own form of Aryan physics that would be superior because the Aryan race was superior to the Jewish race, and so their physics would be better. I, this was, I mean, it's true that many of them believe this, and they, they actually did state things like that, but it was, was nonsense. It was, you know, based on nothing. It's just, uh, you know, their uh, political racist theories that's based on, that's all. 
nobody's ever shown that anything ever came of this. And as far as red mercury, I, I, I've heard the claims. I don't know what red mercury would be or what it supposedly would do. Then there's the Nazi bell, supposedly. that This stuff seems to have actually been made up quite a bit later than the war. This is not doesn't go back to the war or the... Or the uh, you know, aftermath of the war, it goes up to uh, instead, you know, it's, it's a more recent uh, origin. So, you know, I haven't seen anything that, that suggests that any of the so-called breakaway physics might be true. Okay. We've got more to come with Robert Schaefer and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother in his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from ProFlowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's proflowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. The human body is extraordinary. 
Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to The Paracast. On The Paracast with Gene and Chris, UFO skeptic Robert Schaefer, let me remind you again, we have a free ebook for you. Chris O'Brien's Secrets of the Mysterious Valley in ebook form. And you can get a copy, very simple. Go to theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. And right above the fold, we have this link where you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter of news and views and such. You subscribe, we'll send you a copy. Chris? Okay, SRL has a very interesting question here, and I'm uh, looking forward to your, your response to it. He wants to know what you think about the research of aerial anomalies being conducted through NARCAP, which is, uh, of course, um, uh, Ted Rowe and uh, Richard Haynes. Yeah, Richard Haynes. I've met Richard Haynes a few times, not recently. Well, again, it's something of a mixed bag. I mean, I'm sure some of it is good. I'm thinking. Well, well, wait a minute. When you say some of it is good, are you talking these these pilots are seeing true unknowns no, that no, cannot no. be explained? Some, some, some of their analysis might be good. Some of it, but but just because you know you've tried to rule out one thing doesn't mean that you know it's not something else. The one thing that comes to my mind was oh, in the last year or so, Leslie Kane and her uh, fly UFO. You know this thing in Chile where she said, "Is this the case that UFO skeptics have been dreading?" And then she has this, and then some the video that was submitted by somebody at this air show. Oh right, in Chile. And it shows the airplanes flying by, then it shows something else going by very quickly. Going, well, I'm adding the, the soundtrack there, but yeah, basically bugs. Yeah. She was convinced it couldn't be bugs. And finally, she got, she kind of got herself out, you know, went way, way uh, out beyond where, you know, one could uh, reliably uh, <laughs> defend what one, one was saying. And so she was looking for some sort of support or some sort of, you know, basically to, in well, again, the, that you can't take that particular questionable claim and use that to discount all the incredible, uh, very well documented cases in her book. There are some. Okay, well, no, they, I'm. Uh, well, that's a separate issue. The reason I bring it up is because of Narcap and Haynes. Ultimately, she got two analyses of the fly UFO video. One from Bruce McAbee, who said it was an insect. And then the other one was from Haynes, who said, no, it can't be an insect. It's uh, beyond physics. It's, you know, beyond anything that, you know, we have knowledge of. So she pronounced the case to be, you know, unsolvable. To me, anybody who says that what is obviously a photograph of uh, a video of insects flying around, that this is something that's, you know, beyond science, I think one has to really question 
their analyses there, especially since we have now turned up any number of subsequent uh, fly UFO videos that are making the rounds. It was one big thing in Denver uh, recently where there was a hill somewhere out in the, toward the suburbs where people... Oh, right, with the run. objects entering yeah. and leaving the ground. <laughs> and stuff. So, I mean, if, if NARCAP would pronounce that to be something that's unexplainable, then uh, I think I would have a serious problem with uh, their analyses. Well, don't you think we're going into a, a time period where the pop culture TV-driven views of these mysteries uh, are being embraced by, by untrained, uneducated folks, uh, possibly uh, leading them to conclusions that they've already kind of made up in their own mind? Don't you see this as being really problematic as we move forward in the 21st century with the, the CGI hoaxes and some of these websites that um, are being touted as, you know, they're touting themselves as, as having the best UFO footage. I mean, how are we going to put the kibosh on the time-wasting stuff and concentrate on the five, six, maybe 7% of sightings that deserve real serious scientific scrutiny? Well, yes, I agree with what you're saying there. And in fact, it's going back to what I was saying earlier about phases and things in terms of ufology. What's what's hot for a while and then what's hot becomes cold. We have not developed anything to be hot in the sense of uh, probative uh, beyond the uh, saucer crash claims. Uh, I guess you could tr try to argue that this uh, breakaway technology and the uh, Nazi bell and whatever else is uh, maybe a new direction for it, but I, I, I don't see that there's much there there. There really isn't that much to look at. In your last Paracast with the um, with Micah Hanks, and he uh, he was talking about, he mentioned my name fairly early on, and then he then he went off and said that all these skeptical bloggers are talking about the death of ufology and and its ending. Uh, well, first of all, there aren't that many skeptical bloggers uh, writing about UFOs. I, I think I'm one of the very few, especially in this country. Yeah, that, they don't want to get slimed. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's it. But that article that uh, whoever it was that wrote about how the he went to the MUFON conference and said that ufology is ending, I don't agree that it's ending. I, I but I do agree that it's changing. As I said before, that you know there there are trends, there are fads. The fads get hot and then they get cold after a while. I think that the the old paradigm that represents that MUFON represents is getting cold um, and is failing to have a lot of people. Uh, following it. That is the old MUFON. Now, the new MUFON, as in Hangar 1, um, is alive and well, and it's very little different from uh, Damsky or uh, anything else that uh, went before, where just a, you know, a small amount of investigation will show that this is absolute rubbish. Um, so, yeah, it, it is problematic, and I think it's mostly the younger folks who are um, who are promoting this and who are who are the audience for this and they don't know what's gone before they they don't realize the claims that have been made before that have either been uh refuted or have uh, have shown to basically to lead nowhere um if you know a, a certain you know types of sightings or or certain locations or something if there were something miraculous that were really happening let's say in the san luis valley um Claims go back far enough that, you know, we would have found it by now. There'd be enough people out there at that UFO watchtower who would have cameras and whatever. And if there wasn't really anything going on, you know, we, we, we'd we have the evidence of it by now. And that's well, not We'll, we'll, we'll see, have... Robert, when I get my San Luis Valley surveillance camera project up, we'll see what we come up with. <laughs> well, Let me just add something here about the MUFON 
event. 400 people attended, according to New York Magazine. Now, Chris and I mentioned this last week, although there was some dispute as to the attendance, this contact in the desert event. Now, Chris, you said 2,000. Someone else said 4,000. So certainly some people are attending these conventions, although I should point out as a reality check, the San Diego Comic Con, attracting a wide range of people, they got 130,000. Yes, and I was But we never had a UFO convention that big. No, there were 70,000 watching at Fatima. What, what, what do you think of all those people and what they saw? That's another question from our, uh, our forum posters. Anytime you stare up at the sun, you're going to start, you're going to start to burn images in your retina, uh, either permanently or, or temporarily, depending on how, how long you stare and, and how bright the sun was uh, at that time, how many clouds. You also have to say that of those 70,000 people, um, probably almost all of them were very devout Catholics with certain expectations and with certain, um, you know, there, there was an agenda there. There, This was not a, you know, an, an unbiased skywatch, so to speak. They went there hoping to see a miracle. And, and by know, God, they got one. By God, they got one. And also, I wonder how <laughs> many, you know, if you could, going back to what we said about the the earliest reports are the best. I don't know if anybody got reports, you know, like on the very same day, the very same time before stuff was published and people had a chance to talk to uh, each other to kind of smooth out the differences. Um, I think it's just a, you know, a case of uh, mass hysteria. People have some very strong feelings and strong religious expectations. And by God, they're going to see a miracle <laughs> whether there is one or not. So, um, but yes, yeah, blind will see and the crippled will walk. Yeah, exactly. But that's interesting. I don't know if they had two to 4,000 out there. I can't imagine where those people stayed. Did they stay in tents out there in the yeah, desert? Yeah, it was uh, pretty messy. All the uh, porta cans uh, filled up and overflowed. Uh, they lost power. There, there wasn't enough water. It sounds like a real nightmare to me. Yeah, it does, because I think that that convention center, what did they say? It only had a couple hundred facilities for a couple hundred people to stay there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, where's the fire marshal when you really need him? Yeah, especially with uh, certain uh, speakers locking the doors. Uh, that was last year, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't even ask you what some of, some of the videos that are out there, and it's obvious these are the sort of the new age type. These were not the MUFON type people. That's that is a whole different thing. We uh, have another different thing to present here. We have Robert Schaefer joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. 
For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. A sudden change in the wind. The day grows dark as ominous clouds move in and lightning begins to carve arcs in the sky. And you realize you are not prepared. I am telling you to take cover. The number of intense storms is increasing exponentially in the U.S. Tornadoes, hurricanes, flooding, and droughts are happening with greater magnitude and frequency. If you are choosing to rely on the government to save you... And no one's coming to help them. You could be dead wrong. The first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48. Visit us online or call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today. Remember, before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com Summertime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know summer is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for summer specials, including all sizes of colloidal silver, colloidal minerals, and intestinal freedom on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, hoodia, and metabolic complex and pro-metabolic, all on sale now. Also, the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and wormwood plus complex, plus stevia liquid sweetener and the super enzymes, all on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and look for summer specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, I should say, Robert Schaefer, I'm down on most UFO conferences because they seem to attract the same people, unfortunately tend to attract an older demographic, like mine. Yeah. So I think if forgetting the questions of the reality of UFOs or non-reality, I think that entire paradigm doesn't work in the traditional sense, just having people get up and speak. 
You've got to have entertainment now. That's why like a Comic-Con works, because it's not just, you know, having a lecturer get up and speak with a bunch of slides. My God, there's Henry Cavill's Superman and Ben Affleck as Batman and the new Wonder Woman. They can see these people in person. They participate in panels. They try to make it entertaining. Right. I think that's lost on the UFO crowd. Accepting the reality or non-reality is irrelevant. They still have to attract an audience. Right. And the people bring their own entertainment to a thing like Comic-Con with their costumes and uh, little, not just costumes, but with little improv acts and things like that that uh, are very common there. So based on just only the videos that I was watching the last few days about this contact in the desert, I think it tends to be a younger crowd, uh, tends to be much more oriented towards new age, towards uh, contactee, towards... um, more of a personal relationship with the extraterrestrials, with the phenomenon. If you go back to the old, the old school, Major Kehoe, uh, when we were kids, uh, you and I, Gene, us uh, oldsters, back in the 1950s and 60s, it, what, what the UFOs represent, or, or, or should we say who represents UFOs or flying saucers? Well, it's somebody like Major Kehoe, it's NICAP, it's Dick Hall, people like this, okay? And now that's not the case. It's gone through, you know, these hot and cold phases, and now we're on to to, to more. It's just the wild the evangelicals. Stuff. Evangelicals, yes. The whole thing about the contact or the abductees. It started out as you know a few people who were out and frightened and fooled themselves about you know what might or might not have happened out in the wilderness. But then once you get to Bud Hopkins in the early eighties. You no longer need to go out into the desert or even in your backyard to see extraterrestrials. The extraterrestrials will come right into your bedroom and take you. And then you talk about repeated abductions. And so it's very much a, a personal relationship with the phenomenon that these people are claiming. And that really seems to be where the whole thing is uh, going. Nobody cares about the old major keyhole type of reported phenomenon, which is, I got a rumor from an Air Force pilot that he chased something that went 10 times the speed of sound and made a right angle. Yeah, but Kehoe didn't say rumor. He would quote people saying, I got this report, not a rumor. So let's just kind of clarify that, regardless of what you think about what's going on. But even then, regardless of what you think here, obviously a lot of people are continuing to report UFO sightings. A lot of these sightings seem to have some sense of being lights in the sky. Most of the photos you see are lights in the sky. Where you see photos that have more specific details, you're going to say basically either that's conventional aircraft or they're fakes? Well, it would depend on what the photos are, depend on when they were taken. If they were older, or if they were recent new photos, I would say they're very likely created, some of them are created by apps and by CGI and by various other things that, you know, nowadays it's very easy for experienced, sophisticated people to create very impressive-looking photos and videos. If we're talking about photos from the 1950s and the 1960s, well, it's it depends, again, on, on what it shows. There are a lot of, now we talk about blur foes, some people do, which, is, which would also take in most of these insect UFOs and, well, and also birds too. Oh. I think get uh, photographed when their wings are uh, folded yeah, up. Exactly, exactly. And those are blur foes, and it could be almost anything. If it's a really clear structured craft like McMinnville appears to be, 
Paul Trent, 1950. Okay, this was not done with any sophisticated computer uh, enhancement because nobody had computers back then. So uh, that rules that out. But was it a, a model that was strung on the telephone wire, something like a truck mirror or whatever, or was it a real UFO? And people can disagree. I think there's a lot of reasons to think that it was a, a small model of some kind. And the late Joel Carpenter had a very good uh, you know, explanation of that on his website. And uh, people have, uh, for some reason, he took it down. Not because I don't think anything having to do with the CIA or whatever, but apparently certain ufologists who were friends of his said, why don't you take that down? And he did. At least that's what I'd heard. I can't say for sure it's uh, true, although it's still out there. On the, you used a Wayback Machine. He showed how you know Farmer Trent could have easily done this using an old truck mirror, like from a 1930s truck, and uh, just strung it on like a fishing line over the wire and gotten a few pictures so, yeah, it appears to be a structured craft, but, you know, how big is it? Is it, you know, way out there and uh, huge, uh, or is it nearby and it's only about six inches across? Yeah, but wouldn't you be able to, with proper photo analysis, tell the difference between something that's six inches across and something that is really huge and far away? Well, not necessarily. Uh, that's what they tried to do with the Condon Report, uh, William K. Hartman. It's, uh, he said, well, it would... He didn't say it was distant. He said it was consistent with the idea of being distant because of uh, the reflectivity, the, the brightness of the underside appeared to be brighter than the underside of the nearby oil tank. And so, therefore, uh, it would suggest atmospheric scattering, which would suggest a distant object. However, there are other factors that were not taken into account. Well, I suggested uh, that what they call veiling glare, in other words, that uh, light spills over from, if you have a dark object against a bright background, some of the light from the, the bright background spills over into the object, the dark object, and, and makes it look brighter than it should. Whereas the oil tank down at the bottom of the picture didn't have that. Well, Sackaby analyzes this. He says, well, there was veiling glare, but it wasn't enough to make this effect. And Joel Carpenter, by suggesting a truck mirror, that invalidates one of the assumptions uh, underneath that um, the Condon report made, which was that it was a an object. It was a dark, you know, it was an object in the shade. If it's a mirror, then it's a it's a object that's reflecting the bright ground underneath, and so that makes it brighter than a shaded object would be. At the you know, object that was shaded from the sunlight, it's reflecting the sunlight on the ground because it's a mirror. All right, you basically think that Dr. Maccabee was wrong. I didn't say he was wrong about that particular aspect, though. He thinks, yeah, it's a, it's an unknown object. I think what he said about the veiling glare was correct, but it only goes so far. That This whole, if you read the Hartman analysis, he made certain assumptions, and, uh, and if his assumptions are correct, and if the veiling glare isn't very much, then that would tend to suggest it's a large object. However, Joel Carpenter showed that at least one of those assumptions appears to be not correct. And then the, the, the whole analysis is, uh, is invalidated. Well, you know, we can go on and on here and point yeah, to things. Yeah, this has been fun. Thanks for uh, being on the show, Robert. Well, I've enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's good, and uh, it's always good to hear these different uh, theories and talk about them. We will never agree unless the flying saucer lands in your backyard. In fact, I'm hoping that if E.T. is here, that they land in your backyard first. I'm sure they'll know where you live because it's E.T., therefore. They know everything. They can read minds. 
Okay, Robert Schaefer, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Well, if you look at uh, my blog, badufos.com, I try to keep up to date on the latest and greatest claims and such. I also have a, uh, some of the older material on debunker.com, which is not just UFOs, but other subjects as well. And so uh, between those, um, and then, of course, I have my latest book is uh, Psychic Vibrations, which is from the column that I write in uh, Skeptical Inquirer, each issue. So that's where to find it. We'll be looking for you. By the way, you can get a free copy of Chris O'Brien's Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, the ebook version. Go to theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter, and we'll get your copy out to you. Chris O'Brien's site is ourstrangeplanet.com. If you buy a copy of his book, Stalking the Herd, the printed copy, he'll sign and number it if you order it from him. On Twitter, we're the Paracast. There's also a Paracast fan club on Facebook. Robert Schaefer, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you, Gene. It's been fun. So listen very carefully, ladies and gentlemen, because I think there was a big contradiction in what Robert Schaefer said on this week's episode. We'll talk about it next week. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.